I V M. Welcome to another episode of This Round is on Me. Today, my guest is someone I hugely admire as a chef and as a person. She and her husband have built a brand that is one to reckon with. It's focused on quality, creativity, and enormous amounts of passion. Chef Sanjana Patel is the creative director and executive chef at La Folie. Sanjana has attained national and global accolades, including the title of India's Pastry Queen and the fourth best pastry chef for 2016 and the World Pastry Queen competition. But rather than resting on her laurels, you'll always find Sanjana engrossed in pushing the envelope of creativity, planning her next avant-garde creation. Join us after a quick break as we talk all things chocolate. Welcome back and I have Chef Sanjana Patel here with me on this episode of This Round is on Me. Hey Chef Sanjana, finally get you on my podcast. I'm so excited to have you here. Thank you Gauri. This is exciting. I never knew that I would land up having a conversation like you like this. Have you done podcasts before by the way? I've done like three okay. conversations but it's been purely around cacao with some people around in Spain yeah. and in France. But this is the first time oh, wow, I'm okay. uh, recording around the business angle of things. If there is, I don't know if there is going to be about entrepreneurship. Yeah. But uh, I think the last podcast I did with Kalyan very recently, that was yeah, more about, yeah. you know, the cacao things that we recently launched. So it was about that. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, of course, we're talking lots about cacao and chocolate, my favorite thing in the world. By the way, I have to tell you, I keep a stash of your cookies by my, all your chocolate, something or the other is always there by my bedside. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's a standard midnight snack whenever I do manage to stay up till midnight. So, um, huge fan and, um, you know, so, How did the cookies turn out this time? They're yum. I think, uh, you know, the, the dark chocolate. Look, I'm a big sucker for dark chocolate. So I love your double chocolate ones. And, uh, you know, that's really yum because they're not very sweet and they're buttery and basically they just hit the pot. So <laughs> listen, you know, let's jump right into your, your journey. And I've so much about, you know, your love for and seen, of course, you know, in the course of uh, the last few years, your love for arts and chocolate and you know the fact it began I believe when you were 14 and you know were helping your grandmom in her kitchen today you're this revolutionary force in modern pastry and chocolate making and you know so how and when did you decide to you know, turn that passion into a business very interesting question you're asking a creator whether she wanted to ever do business but uh, yeah I mean Never really, you know, um, I never had the, you know, the inclination to start my own business. I think it just happened. Always wanted to be, definitely do something around the in the food industry and especially, you know, in, in the chocolate and pastry, you know, arts. But I come from a family where I'm the first chef in my family. So it was very difficult for me to convince uh, my folks. They knew that I love cooking and uh, love getting my hands dirty. And I always was very much on a technical side. So I started actually studying science, went into doing food science and management. Then I went to becoming a chef. So technically, I'm a scientist, then a chef. 
so uh, that one thing led to the other did not know that <laughs> yeah so um, i used to consult a lot but that makes sense right i mean it makes sense with chocolate sorry just to say like that makes a lot of sense because no it's so much about the process the ingredient and playing with that ingredient and getting you know working with one core ingredient right so it makes so much sense that you're saying this and uh, so did you actually go to uh, you know did you study food science as a like degree or what was your journey i did my ib and then just got into doing uh, food science and management and then i did my majors in chocolate technology and confectionery so we did like i mean I did like a six months of uh, training with Nestle for a bit uh, before I went on to, you know, telling my folks finally that, hey, I want to become a serious chef. And, you know, this is this the world of, you know, uh, R&D is just that much. And I really want to explore more. I always wanted to become a chef, but somehow I was trying to find a midway ground where I could, you know, keep everybody happy in my family and as well as do what I want to. My grandmom like I said you know she was my inspiration and uh, she she was always into doing anything and everything around food be it gardening be it making her own pickles or whatever this is what she started with and she literally got me hooked up uh, in this field and uh, chocolate was my favorite thing it was it was always my first love i was also denied chocolate as a kid because uh, of because of bronchitis asthma so i was never allowed to have chocolate so i think kind of became like a very rebellious uh, kind of a love affair and uh, yeah so um, i did my first i remember did my first course when i was 12 from eco chocolate it's an online wow. course i did in chocolate making i was and then uh, after i started you know doing it as a side cake hobby you know making uh, products for people from home I still remember my mom's kitchen. It was like a fifty square feet space that she carved out her own kitchen space, <laughs> and it was where the two washing machine and the dryer was there. And then I, I used to make my chocolate. I used to temper chocolate. Then nobody even knew about kuvecha. Uh, but back since then, I was doing a lot of research. And yeah, I think food science kind of helped me. Although I was doing that along with a commerce degree. and um i've done my cfa mid level so my dad was preparing me from the other side as well because he always wanted me to join the family business and uh, that was into exports of garments and stuff like that so always had a Little something different. else going on <laughs> in the in the background but now um truly um after i did my lcb after my 10th uh i did my lcb in london i don't tell too many people i've done lcb but i did my lcb after my 10th standard um and um once i did that i did few stints around and then i went on to you know getting into the science background of things but um then i did a reentry into becoming a chef uh, with ferrandi in france and this was purely at the time when i did get married as well so around when i was 21 i got married so it's been like what 15 16 years now since i married so um that's the time i actually went on to becoming a chef and study and then work do stages do internships and you know and then climb up the ladder parthish did um he kind of came back into the country in 2011 uh, that's my husband actually and uh, he is a mechanical engineer and he always was obsessed about food he's a foodie so i was married to a foodie as well so i think that's one of the reasons why we are doing this together and uh, he told me to probably explore coming back to the country in 2013 so that's when we came back and then uh, one thing led to the other i did a few interviews in a few hotels and restaurants and i truly was not appreciating what 
I, the kind of knowledge I had and what was really happening in the country. So I put my best foot forward and we opened up a small boutique at my grandmom's friend's place in Kalagora. She was a baker. So she gave it to us, that little boutique that we have near Trishna. And we started with that place. And then I think success came crazy soon to us. So we just went on expanding and doing a lot of things. Yeah, so that was the business side of stuff. So that's how I literally got myself into doing business. Wow, I've known you so many years, but I didn't know that was the journey. And yeah, no, I mean, it's amazing. I think uh, it's incredible how much technical knowledge and education has gone into you, uh, into your sort of journey before you actually started a business. And, uh, you know, that really is something that I, you know, I have to tell you recently, I was just chatting with someone who was talking about how the food industry for me has changed in the last 10 years. And one of the things, you know, I was saying is that I think now the position of a chef or this, this business is, is highly respected. It's, you know, people have recognized how uh, skilled you have to be to succeed in this. And it's, it's so respected and, you know, and now parents um, you know, aren't having that reaction that you talked about earlier. And, you know, they are actually now encouraging, you know, their kids to pursue this profession if that, if they so choose uh, to do so. So, you know, that's amazing. And I'm, you know, I'm glad you pursued your passion uh, personally. <laughs> but, um, you know, coming back to, and, and also I think it's really interesting that you also, I do have to say that your father was very smart to make you uh, pursue the commerce part of it because that's one thing that I see with a lot of entrepreneurs is that they love the creative aspect and that's what they're good at and that's what gets them into the business. But then they're quite clueless when it comes to finance and accounts and, hey, we're running businesses, not charities. So that's such an important aspect to not get, you know, uh, scared by or not feel kind of, um, you know, in the dark about, right? So that's amazing. I think you have the the right blend. And, uh, you know, you mentioned, I was going to ask you this next, you mentioned about Parthesh and that, you know, we actually have this one thing in common, which is uh, starting a business with our spouses. So I know what my journey's been, but tell us about your journey. <laughs> So um, I think um, we generally, as people, we get along really well. I mean, we've known each other since 26 years, eight years prior to the marriage and uh, 16 after. So I think 24, 25 years now. And um, we we have a great rapport. And I think we both know as two individuals that, you know, we uh, that he knows that I thrive on creativity. But at the same time, it needs to make logical sense. So he gets a lot of logic in the way I think and, uh, you know, operationally as well. So I think we are a good combination. Yes, there are there are days that we definitely, you know, do not, you know, agree on a lot of certain things. And uh, but then also we do a lot of analysis internally together, post work sometimes, but sometimes we get work home, which was a lot before the pandemic. And then after we we kind of avoided that. But um, yeah, I think it's been a journey with him as well. And uh, today, I think we have that great work-life balance. I think we've created that for ourselves. Uh, although we don't have kids, I mean, Lafol is a baby and we've got like two dogs. So that's quite a handful. But uh, yeah, we are happy where we are now after being in this and doing this from the last, you know, I mean, this is our 10th year coming up. So it's been great, but he's a great support. Yeah. And I think what he, what he actually gets is the technicalities involved. Like, you know, we are getting into processes. We have shifted up. I mean, yes, we are artisanal, but we have got process lines and processes into, you know, into our manufacturing. 
So we are kind of midway between hospitality and food company. And I think the transition mm-hmm. has been really beautiful for us. It's been hell of a daunting task because we most of it happened during the pandemic time. This whole making of chocolate and being to bar or cacao and whatever. But uh, it really has given us a lot of stability because before that, we were everywhere. We were just all over the place trying to experiment what's going to click for us, what's going to work for us. A lot of it came with customer feedback and customers wanting us to do a few things. And we then told ourselves, I mean, he really started, you know, adding and putting in numbers into practice as well. And, you know, said that, okay, then looking at, you know, how time works with you know, time value, what is the value of time? What is the value of return on your time? That is something that he started asking questions of. And I started asking questions on return on investment. So uh, I think that kind of analytics is something which is very common between the two of us. And we both like that. So that's how I think we really work together as a couple when it comes to the business part. That's a wonderful. And, you know, I mean, you've talked about your journey. Uh, I've seen this over the years with you and, you know, where you've dabbled in the dine-in format of cafes and, you know, now focusing on breads and, of course, the patisserie side of it. And now you have this beautiful cooking studio as well. Take us through some of the challenges that you faced along the way to finally arrive at what seems like, you know, your happy place and how you sort of got there. And, you know, you've mentioned customer feedback, but what was the reason for sort of taking this route? Yeah. I think um, initially we were all about, okay, wanting to do fresh products off the counter, you know, in a patisserie format. Uh, it could be vinosserie danishes or chocolates and, you know, macarons and all the other pastry products. And we just felt that that's not what the culture in our country is. There is no culture in our country to eat a dessert. And I think for the first three years of our business, we really struggled there. Most of the business was very seasonal. It was on the gifting times, like the season time during Diwali and Rakhis and all. And that's when we used to start seeing spikes. But during the rest of the year, there used to not be that much of uptake. And most of it was you know, then revolved around cakes and gifting boxes during, you know, maybe both announcements and those kind of things. So that was not really fulfilling for someone like me. And uh, we also didn't see too much numbers coming in. The bottom line was not, you know, uh, the best. Uh, we we do, I mean, I do understand, I mean, since I've come from this field as well, I've worked with different companies and I know that the bottom line is everything. And it's not just about the turnover that you're making, but what you're taking back home. So that wasn't really fruitful. We did get into the whole bakery format, but the idea was just to make breads for our, you know, in-store or in-dining requirement, which kind of catapulted into, you know, people demanding our breads and we literally don't do breads like how you guys do at Max Street. You know, we we focus on those five or six breads and we have just we just believe that those are the five, six breads that are everyday indulgence breads and that that's what it is. And we've kept the numbers literally to what the capacity fulfillment we wanted to do at on the production floor. So we've literally kept it to that. Uh, what we truly wanted to do when we came back was to delve into chocolate making and uh, become like, you know, start making our own chocolate. We couldn't do that in 2013 because the market was way too niche, wasn't very developed. I mean, to the fact that even people did not know what French pastry was all about at that point of time. I think there were very few restaurants like yourself doing really, you know, premium quality cuisine and, you know, a couple of other people, you know, who were, who had just started a few things like, you know, Theobroma or Pooja with Low 15. So, you know, I think the market was still very nice. So we kind of, you know, worked yeah. with trends or what was happening. 
in 2017, we started asking ourselves that we need to have, you know, we need to dial back and start having a vision to what we are really doing. And now we've kind of assessed ourselves over four or five years. We've understood how retail formats work. We've understood how gifting works or how corporate gifting works or, you know, let's how retail trade works. Um, you know, where we, we took the four or five years to, you know, do slower investments, make mistakes, not burn out too much. And, you know, uh, not go in for investments because we did get a lot of opportunities. We kept getting opportunities for investments and we kept telling ourselves that, you know, if we just go into investment, we continue to dilute ourselves. And we were not only looking for growth, but we were looking for stability along the next 10 or 15 years of mm -hmm. us doing this. So um, in 2018, we told ourselves that, okay, we need to start making our own chocolate because that's something that is my forte. It's something I understand extremely well. It's also what I have studied and educated myself in. So we got into that uh, and that gave us amazing returns when it came to our books on our, you know, bottom line and everything. And at the same time, it gave us an opportunity to get into a more focused market. And slowly yeah. over the last three, four years, we've been closing down other things that we don't feel, you know, are giving us the value of return on our time. So that's literally yeah, where yeah. we have gone. And I think we, we have been very stable and growing in the last three or four years. And it's been a very exciting time for us as well with opportunities for exports or opportunities for, you know, serving other B2B, Koreka. So it's been, it's been nice. And yeah. also it gives me an opportunity to go back to the source in terms of to the farm, which I love working with the community. I love working with the farmers. I want to understand what's happening in the Indian cacao scene. Uh, it's it's very much complicated, the whole ecosystem there. So it gives me an opportunity to also go there and do that bit. And then, you know, get it back into, in a form for product to the customer. So this, this really creates a lot of content for us in terms of a business model. I think, uh, you know, you're, you're absolutely right. And like I said, I've seen you sort of evolve over the years. And while I loved your cafes, I think, you know, as a chocolate maker and a sort of, you know, that is what now I associate you with. And I think it's amazing because, you know, if someone says chocolate, you think Glafoli. And I think having that sort of focus is, is so important for even the brand, right? So it's amazing that you've got there. And you talked a little bit about now, you know, the, the, the process, you talked about going to the source, you know, you've been... Uh, pushing the boundaries throughout and uh, I sort of see your videos about the going to the, the cacao farms and you know you work with in, not just Indian cacao but cacao from all over the world so how do you go about that process of identifying the source that you want to work with the farms that you want to work with I still actually remember coming to your um, studio and you had this tasting of three brownies made from different regions of cacao from different and I remember there was a Guatemala one and I, I still remember that. And I'm like, and I think that was only on that, on that tasting platter. <laughs> so I was like, but when I, how do I order that one? But anyway, you know, I mean, um, you've clearly like nailed it by, you know, and how do you go about that? I mean, there's so much, you know, ingredient, access to ingredient all over. How do you kind of identify and hone in on what you want? I think coming back to, you know, be it, for example, be it entrepreneurship, and I think especially 
I think, yes, I am a chef, but yes, I'm also, I do like to call myself an entrepreneur as well. But at the same time, it's very important that you need to focus and channelize your energies in the right direction. And you start asking yourself very important questions about sustaining your personal passion for, you know, a longer period of time and also making some sense out of it. And I think before the 2017 phase, I really struggled with that. I, I didn't know what direction I was going in. It wasn't making really a lot of sense because it wasn't soul satisfying with what I was doing. You know, just just getting in ingredients and, and making a product that 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 was that is how do I say it's a differentiating advantage, right? Like it's not a differentiating advantage. Anybody can copy that for you. So what is what is it that you're creating unique for yourself? And at the same time, sourcing came very, very easily to me because I dealt with a lot of farming communities internationally for be it other chocolate makers. Uh, when we were, I was working on a project with Alan Lucas Chocolaterie in, in Paris. And um, at that point of time, I was, um, I was exposed to a lot of cooperatives and how the whole, you know, seeking thing goes in. And then I got in touch during the pandemic, not before the pandemic time, just before the pandemic, when my leg was broken, I had a lot of time to start getting onto platforms and getting onto, you know, communities and blogs and working around and finding out certain cooperatives, indigenous cooperatives who are, you know, uh, running a small holder farms for post-harvesting process in Central America and South America. I uh, did a lot of research around that. And literally Parthish and me said that, you know what, it's, we're not going to learn so much just doing it online. Let's literally go and visit these places. So we contacted uh, one cooperative by the name of Uncommon Cacao. They work out of Portland and New Jersey. And uh, yeah, we, we visited a lot of farms around the Central American and South American belt, like Guatemala, Belize, or Peru, wow. Ecuador. Started understanding a lot of the processes and post-harvesting. That, that was a good six months of up and down travel. And I remember being in crutches at that point of time. And the idea was to understand what was happening there and then try to see what is actually happening in our country. Because at that point of time, uh, post-harvesting for cacao was not the best in our country. Like there, were, there was no cooperative board. There was only the government mm-hmm. board or contracted farmers to, you know, companies like Campos and Cadbury's. So nobody understood, you know, what was fermentation, what was drying, what was about creating fine flavor. And it's as good as, you know, trying to, like, it's something very similar to artisanal wine and, you know, we're talking about cheese, but there was no sort of progress that was made in the cacao thing. And uh, that, with all that knowledge, it, when we came back to India, it was for me to start seeking farmers and trying to see if there was any sort of cooperative that that can be created. And we located a cooperative by the name of Go Ground in uh, Kerala. And they were working, they were commissioned by the trade, Italian trade, to be in India to export cacao beans from India to the EU. And uh, they were doing some fantastic cacao and their post-fermentation was amazing. And they were only using for exports. And uh, when I started talking to them, I decided to tell them this is what we want to do. You know, we are a patisserie, we want to be now chocolate forward, we want to make our own chocolate and use it across all our products in whatever creations we make. This is our plan. They were quite excited because of the premiumness of the products that we were already creating. And for me as a chef, I've always looked at, from a chef's point of view, I've always looked at trying to create that unique flavor profile, which is very distinct to a particular company. Like you remember Cadbury's because of its taste. You remember, you know, Amul because of its taste. Mm -hmm. So for me, that was very important to create a particular identity in terms of taste, flavor, profile 
for La Folly and at the same time work around with the Indian farmers. So for me, I don't want to get restricted only to the Indian farming community because there is only that much cacao in our country and uh, it's not sufficient for all chocolate makers. Now, now that are there, we were like four or five at that point of time in the country. Today, we have about 40 chocolate makers in our country. So it's not enough cacao. And with helping of, you know, getting beans from abroad or getting some micro lot fermentations done, uh, the blending process that happens, me able to provide that different flavor profiles to the customer, that became very interesting. And somehow it also became extremely economical because we have an export-import license. So based on this, we are able to export back as well. So that really made it very interesting for us in terms of the economics for doing something like this. Interesting because, you know, that was my sort of next question actually about, you know, this explosion with artisanal chocolate brands that we've seen happen in India. And you, I didn't realize there were 40, um, but, you know, I know that there's a lot happening there. And I, was, I wanted to understand from you, uh, you know, what would you say is the sort of what differentiates La Foley from the rest. And I think you kind of answered that, which is, you know, about because it's so true. It's it's uh, it's that distinctive taste, right? That, that, that flavor profile that you have. And without even knowing the packaging, you should know what the chocolate is. But is that hard to achieve when you're working with sort of small batch, kind of, you know, that consistency and, you know, achieving that? Is that sort of a big challenge? It is because... You know, we are we are living in a world where consumers expecting consistency all the time, right? So, and we are trying to make clean yeah, product. We, we call ourselves not healthy or anything, but we call ourselves good chocolate or clean chocolate. Uh, when I say clean, we are only using three or four ingredients. And um, every harvest is going to be different. It's going to come with its own, you know, own, own exactly. issues and own problems. And it's not going to be the same. But it is a challenge from a point of view that there is also... How would I say? There's also some sort of a amazing thing about not being consistent. So that is something that has been a little difficult for us to explain mm-hmm. to our consumer. And uh, that's one of the things that we did with the single origin cacao things that we just launched recently, just to explain to the consumer that, you know, these beans are from different years and they're aged differently and they taste very, very different. So um, that's, I think, would be the only challenge that mm-hmm. I have faced. But quite frankly, it's not been so crazy and that it's been a problem for the business as such till today but i think what the customers now understanding and accepting they are accepting that okay bean to bar chocolate is craft is artisanal what they're not able to accept is that why is the price point higher than you know a lint bar or a, you know one of those belgian or swiss chocolate bars that we eat or why is it more expensive you know it's it's indian chocolate so they consider the quality to not be up to level, but technically it's not the right way of thinking because it is still premium. It is, um, it yeah. is definitely artisanal and, uh, you know, all artisanal products are on the premium and it comes to a premium price range. So I think we, when it compares to what a bar we are retailing in India, I think we are at about $4 or four and a half, I think about $4 in our country. Not even $4, I think $3.5. And the same bar, if you have to retail internationally, it will be at least for a minimum of 5 to $6. So um, I think people are appreciating yeah. that, you know, there's a, there's a big burst of chocolate craft, chocolate makers internationally. And I think it's just growing in our country. But I think the consumer still needs to come on board with the idea of Indian craft chocolate 
you know, tasting the way it tastes and not tasting like, you know, a extremely industrial chocolate that comes out, you know, very typically with milk powders or, you know, something which is extremely sweet or something which is very cocoa intense and, you know, very straight profile when it comes to the flavor. So um, I think that's the I think that's the only challenge that we have at the moment. Yeah, that's interesting because and you're right, because, uh, you know, I like I said, I, I love dark chocolate. So everywhere I go, I'm always scouting for them and uh, you know I was in San Francisco recently and I love dandelion but their bars which are like nine bucks a bar or something and you know but you're still like you're like okay I'm gonna I'm gonna indulge because it's so good and you know there's definitely a movement towards you know appreciating those finer things and the, the reason for paying that premium for artisanal but you know speaking of premium and you you kind of said it yourself you know your brand is premium and it is a niche brand because of the price points and obviously the quality as well. Um, you know, so clearly not going for the mass volume, you know, driven product. But do you feel that, you know, does that sort of from a long term perspective, is that something that you you see sort of the potential for growth in, in India? Um, you know, and I know you mentioned you're doing exports, which is amazing. But uh, in India, what do you feel is the potential for premium products like this? Uh, in the long term? No, I think there's definitely that aspirational consumer who wanted to come on board. Um, and there is, we have just been growing, Gauri. So um, we literally, when we started, we had a we had a line, a process line of about 500 kilos. And we literally had just these little dosa grinders and, uh, you know, one small paint refiner machine that could be used for refining chocolate also to make it smooth. And I don't know, but like, you know, in the last two years, we've now grown to approximately like what, 1.6, 1.7 tons. Um, and uh, this has purely come because also because there has been a demand. So consumers, mm. there, there is a consumer that has is demanding and online has really uh, helped us a lot. Uh, trying to be a D2C brand, trying to get our product, you know, directly to the customer's home or uh, able to do these experience boxes, doing a few, you know, experience online educational, um, you know, videos with them. That has really, that has really helped us to move forward. With, with the exports today, the business is still very, very much in the nascent stage. We we have participated in a few exhibitions like uh, Chocoa, which happens in Amsterdam, uh, or to, this year we are going to Salon du Chocolat in Paris to exhibit. So, you know, we are looking for distributors and all, but yes, the volume what we can generate in our country is always going to be max with the sheer number of people that are there. It's just a matter of time. So I think what we did earlier with La Folly was we went very fast into the market. We we opened stores left, right and center. I, I remember we were at Palladium at the same time we opened Bandra, then we opened Kamla Mills and then you know, there was just a fierce growth and um, it was very difficult to manage because we were not backward. From a backward point of view, operationally, we were not very stable. And with, with chocolate, it's been very progressive. It's, it's you know, it's been very calculated. So when it comes to the market in India, I think there's a huge, huge demand and there's, there's market for everyone, even if another hundred chocolate makers come my, what my biggest worry is. And I think what's going to happen is that cacao is getting more and more difficult to source and uh, it's getting more and more expensive. So, and it's also a commodity. So quite frankly, playing with the weather conditions, playing with the whole global climate, playing with all of this, and then, you know, with the whole import environment in our country not being the best, um, mm. I think that's the only challenge that we feel 
is and a threat rather for a, for our business but otherwise uh, so far we are i don't consider ourselves to be niche anymore because we have reached a lot more homes we become that everyday indulgence product with la folly with just doing pastries and a few baked products we were that one off occasion brand and we were not seeing that we were seeing an inconsistency in our numbers but today the numbers have been growing and it's been consistent and uh, you know so i think that's been a great change for us so i don't i don't consider myself to be niche anymore and uh, yeah yeah but yes in the space of chocolate making overall we are niche for the industry so you know i could probably talk to you for hours about uh, the whole process and you know the business of course but i'm going to ask you this that you know with everything that's been going on in the world and uh, you know obviously the last few years and how you've sort of the last 10 years of your business what would you say is your mantra that's kept you going and afloat in business i think agility definitely for me it's been agility and uh, quick decision making i think the biggest mistake um, entrepreneurs or maybe people in the food industry do they keep mulling over the problem and you know they keep wanting to make that mistake again and again i think it's very important to be a quick decision maker and we have been very quick decision makers in la folly and uh, i think that's been really helpful for us and we are still a very self funded brand and uh, i think it's a very good space to be in because you have the whole equity to yourself and today we can you know today we can tell ourselves that today we can tell anybody that you know we are proud about that because it's very difficult to get there and it's taken us you know enough we made enough mistakes on the way and it's good to learn through your failures so i think uh, it's very important for that i remember uh, if you remember gauri i think there was a point of time in the pandemic i think only you back street in fact us and i think one or two other brands were on swiggy we were the only yeah, four or five I brands <laughs> on swiggy i think you know uh, it was crazy because it was 10 days into the pandemic i think the first wave and we were still i mean i went back into the kitchen i said okay we're going to do two products that's going to be the that's the cash cows of the business and then that's it no nothing else no cakes no nothing no nothing that creates craziness you know we were just doing chocolate bars and we were doing breads i think that's about it So I think yeah. uh, that's very important, and at the same time, you know, analyzing mm-hmm. where where you're going, um, you know, taking accountability of what's happening also in the future, especially in the food space, in the in terms of the trends, or also in terms of how they're going to impact the business, mm-hmm. how it's going to have have an impact on your personal business. So I think that's that's really. Uh, for yeah, important no, that completely resonates with me as well in our journey and i i completely agree with you what would be your advice for young chefs who you know are thinking about taking the entrepreneurial plunge work please work because i see a lot of people just coming coming out of schools they they do a few one or two internships and you know then they start and they think that they know it all but they're going to hit that ceiling if they don't know what they're getting themselves into especially if they don't if they've not identified their niche it's one thing being backed up with capital which is the most easiest way to go forward but like like with partition maybe we were not backed up with capital it was us in terms of all our hands in and you know we had to make sense of this from a business point of view from day one and i think business needs to be done from a business point of view it cannot be just done from a passion point of view 
So uh, I think for young chefs, I would say, you know, explore, work, travel, you know, uh, don't just get into being an entrepreneur from the time you've passed out your school. I think it's very important to learn from how organizations are working, um, you know, small, big, medium, you know, work in different scenarios, uh, you know, and I think, yeah, and yeah, probably do a, I, a short I course in accounts. <laughs> very important. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I still, I still have to manage. I mean, in, in today between our operations as well, you know, we are very clear cut with our responsibilities and I still try to manage most of the COGS and, you know, making sure that, you know, it's intact there. So that's really, that's really important, you know, as a chef that you want to know what you're doing, because, you know, you can be as creative and as passionate and go that route and, and it's also very much a you're, you're you're seeing like there are many people who are coming out and you know um, they're doing some fantastic stuff and they're you know they're they're getting awards and you know they're getting onto the top. But uh, I think what is important is sustaining mm-hmm. yourself mm-hmm. for a point of time. So I think that's the question needs to be answered there. So it's not just about starting something because you want to start. So no, that uh, wiser words have not been spoken. So. <laughs> Yeah, I think on that note, uh, you know, thank you so much for your time and for sharing all that about, you know, the process. And, uh, you know, I, I feel your excitement and I'm really excited for where La Folie is going to, uh, is going, has come and, you know, is is definitely going and you have an amazing future ahead of you. So uh, I, I wish you guys like the bestest best. Um, and, and I'm really excited to see uh, what more comes out of your kitchen. Yeah. <laughs> But this has been great. Thank you so much. And, uh, you know, thank you for having me on board. I've always admired you a lot. I've always looked up to you within the industry. I think a lot of us do, a lot of the other women do within the space as well. I think, uh, you know, you get a lot of maturity to what we all are doing. So I think thank you for that. And uh, you've done something really amazing with whatever, you know, uh, with Table and with Max Street and the cafe. It's all so good. So Thank you. Thank you. Well, see you soon and and thank you again for your time today. Thank you. Thank you, Gauri. Take care. I hope you enjoyed tuning in today. Do catch the earlier episodes if you get a chance. And more importantly, I would love to hear from you about your thoughts on the show. And in other news, don't forget to check out my book, Diamonds for Breakfast, available on Amazon. You can find out more on Instagram at Gauri Devdyal or on Twitter at Gauri Details or on LinkedIn. Either way, sit back and relax as this round is on me.